Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Carrier. Turn to the experts. I am going to start with uh, an email. This comes from Pam. Does a whole house filtration system require any special attention after our water break leak? Well... And I'm assuming this is referring to the big main break in, you know, over off 610 there, which, you know, I went through there Friday morning and you couldn't even tell on on the freeway that that it had flooded. It it was amazing. But regardless, yes, it is going to make a difference. Right now, they've got the boil water order gone that expired yesterday. And what we're supposed to do is flush our systems out. Once you flush your system out, those filters that are in that filtration system need to be discarded. Put new filters in. On top of that, if you have a water softener, you need to cycle it through a complete cycle after you've flushed your whole system out very well. And basically, you've got to clean everything in the system back up again because it is contaminated from this problem the secondary issue we're all going to have when they turn that main back on because right now they've bypassed it basically they're doing the repairs it's going to send trash down through the lines as well we won't have the contamination as far as bad water but we're going to have debris floating in the water that's going to start clogging up our filters our aerators things like that So we're going to end up cleaning our system again. Right now, what I would recommend to everybody is just on your faucets, take the aerators off. Leave them off for a little bit and just let the water flow. I understand it comes out at a lot higher pressure. you got to be careful because it'll start splashing everywhere. But trust me, it's going to make life a whole lot easier for you than to keep having to clean those things out. Make sure you do the bathroom faucets as well as the kitchen faucet Uh, your water heater typically is going to have a screen on it on on a lot of them and your washer and dryer both hot and cold water side have screens on them as well so you want to clean all that stuff out now that the boil water thing is gone you also want to cycle your dishwasher you want to flush the refrigerator out you want to redo all the ice uh, run it through at least three sets in order to flush that system out you want to run the washer and dryer or the washing machine uh, empty and clean it up. Everything's got to be cleaned and run and, and done with prior to starting to use it all again. I personally would run probably two or three cycles on the washing machine before starting to use it again. Same with the dishwasher. So we got a lot of stuff that we got to clean up. And yes, you do got to get rid of all those filters. And that's going to be expensive for a lot of people, but you don't want to be using that contaminated water. So hopefully uh, that that, uh, helps you out there, Pam. Hello, Angie. How are you today? Hey, Jim. Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. I have a question for you about Uh cultured marble. We have a house that was built in 92 and we've got a, a bathroom that's all cultured marble, kind of a pinkish 
cultured marble. And yep. I'm wondering, is there a way to resurface that? What do you recommend? I, it just needs an update on looks. I mean, other than that, it's, it's working pretty great. And I'm sorry, did you say it's uh, in the shower or on the countertops? It, Where it's is it? everywhere. No. <laughs> it's in a shower. It's a whirlpool tub and a countertop. Okay. I will tell you, there are some things you can do to it to change the colors. It is a resurface on it. It is not going to be anywhere near as durable as what it is right now, but it will buy you several years of of use before you okay. got to change it out. But it is something eventually you'll have to change out. Um, and they. What about just cleaning it up really, really well? There's so the the main problem is we had like a piece of trim around the bottom of it that just over time kind of bowed out, and we had to remove it, and mm-hmm. it, one of them cracked. Anyway, so now there's kind of a nice stain line, I guess, from the adhesive. Yeah. Um, in the shower, and that's that's really the main problem with it, other than it's kind of pink. Okay. Well, you know, when when they start getting dull. What I've uh, had people do in the past is actually you can use a little uh, automobile rubbing compound on it to take off things like that mm-hmm. and then use turtle wax, the paste wax, yeah. to shine it up again. Now, once you've done that, you're pretty much stuck with that's the way you're going to keep this thing polished. But I mean, look at a car. The abuse it goes throughout on the roads and stuff. How often do we have to wax it? You can do the same thing with these cultured marbles, and they look they they actually look great for years. Okay, all right. Well, maybe that's the way to go. We're, we just don't want to invest the money in a total bathroom redo right now. Yeah, and if you do one part, then you've got you know you got the whole thing. So. Now there's right, I, I there's a product it. if you want to if you do want to look at resurfacing it there is a product called Deitch Coatings and it's uh, D A I C H Coatings dot com is their website uh, and that is something that you can apply onto it and like I said it'll it'll buy you years of of added use and it really doesn't cost all that much. Which might work because it's really not, it doesn't get used much. It's more of a guest bathroom at this point. Oh yeah, so, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely, that would be something okay. to look at then. All right, hey, thanks. I really appreciate it. You bet. Have a great afternoon. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Can I install hardy board over existing asbestos siding on my house? I would not recommend it, and here's why: the asbestos siding is extremely brittle, and when you they start trying to put in put the nails in for the hardy siding, it's going to shatter that asbestos siding and it'll drop out. It's going to create a mess. And behind the asbestos siding is actually going to be some other type of siding because they always put it over an existing siding. So truthfully, you need to take that siding off first and then you can put the hardy siding on whatever the old siding was as long as it's not rotted. If you got rotten spots, replace them and then you can cover it up one eight hundred oh just real quick if if you hire a contractor to take the asbestos siding off they got to go through the full asbestos abatement process if you go take it down yourself and it's actually very simple to take off yourself you're allowed to just take it to the landfills and dump it it's only an issue if you breathe the dust from it so Spray it down with a water hose while you're t- knocking it off. 
bag it and take it. You'll want to wear masks and all the protective gear and stuff while you're doing it. But that can save you tens of thousands of dollars. Jerry in Ogden, how can I help you? Uh, Jim, we're going to put some uh, James Hardy shingle siding uh, over uh, uh, old masonite siding right there. Yeah. And uh, is there any problem with that? None at all, as long as the masonite hasn't started expanding or anything on you. Well, of course, it's been up there for 38 years. It's yeah. already done all the expanding and shrinking it's going to do right there. Well, what, uh, what I mean what is about... when when the edges start getting wet, it it literally will expand and start crumbling. And if you got any areas yeah. like that, just cut it off and stick a board in that one little area. In general, though, the rest of it, 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 normally the middle parts of it are fine and you don't have to worry about it. It's usually just the bottom edges that get bad. Okay. Now, I had read on your new home construction area, you would fur out that. Would you fur this out here? No. I would use the, the masonite as my as my backboard for it. The only re- reason I would fur it out is if you want to skin vent the house. In other words, have a dead air space that makes the house like it's in shade the whole time. Uh, and then you could skin vent it that way by furring it out. Uh, but if you do that, you got to leave a space on the bottom for air to go in and cut it into the attic for the air to escape out. And basically, that puts it like your house is under a shade tree 24-7. I mean, uh, even if you don't have trees around it, it can really help lower the electric bill. Okay. Now, if if we don't do that, but would we need uh, would there be any benefit putting tieback up there between the two? Absolutely. Sidings? Absolutely. Yeah, if... Even though there's going to be something behind the old siding, you would want to put a Tyvek or a Hardy wrap or one of those things on it prior to putting the the Hardy siding up. Okay, that's all I need. I sure appreciate it. Thank you. You bet, Jerry. Take care. Okay, this comes from John in Richardson. Do you know a company that can test for airborne mold? Test the air duct system via uh, camera for mold? Thanks, John. Well, John, there's a lot of companies who can test. ServPro is a company that you can hire to come in that will do a complete test. Uh, they also do mold remediation and things like that. But you can also get a test kit yourself, do the test, and send it out and get the results back. And even uh, the box stores like Home Depot and Lowe's carry some of those mold test kits. So truthfully, I would probably start there. As far as the ductwork, you can open it up, take a look at it, and see what's going on. Uh, just remove the vent cover and look up in there. You'll see if there's a lot of buildup in there. And if there's not, there's not a reason to be messing with those ductwork. Larry, how are you today? I'm great, thank you. What can I do for you? I have a question. I have a water heater that's in a bunkhouse that's used very, very seldom. Uh-huh. And... It has really a strong, strong odor. In fact, you can't use a shower. That's all that's in there is a shower. Yep. And I was just wondering if, if there's anything that uh, I can do to get rid of that that odor. Like I say, we use it very seldom. And uh, I didn't know about draining the tank, putting some type of bleach or something like that in it, and then re-drain it out. And I don't, wouldn't know how to get the bleach in it. Well, you can do that, but that's probably not what's causing it. Typically, what causes the the odor, especially in a water heater that's not used very often, is when it sits there and it's constantly heating up that water, 
it, it causes it to start to smell. And so really just running the hot water until you run out of hot water, flushing that tank out will more than likely get rid of it. And, you, you know, I had that call a little while ago about the anode rod, whether they needed to replace it. I'm betting because your water heater sits there and not used very often, your rod's probably bad in it. And, you know, it's 12 bucks, something like that, to get a new one. They just unscrew, screw the new one in, and it'll probably take care of the issue. But if if it's sitting, you know, two, three weeks at a time not being used, you may want to consider, one, shutting it off, and then, two, when you're getting ready to start using it again, you just uh, drain the water out of it. And that can be as simple as just turning the faucet on and letting it run. You don't necessarily have to hook up a hose and, and drain the tank. If you do want to drain the tank and put bleach in it to clean it, uh, you're going to have to flush that tank out real good afterwards. But to get the bleach in, you literally just unhook the cold water side and dump it in there. Okay, now where's the anoid that you're talking about? They're typically in the side of the tank. Okay. And, and it's just a, a rod, that you, and you can pick it up off from any uh, plumbing supply store. Uh, usually what you'll see is there's a, a nut on the side of the uh, t- water heater, and it's usually going to be, oh, half inch to three-quarter inch, and it'll just unscrew out. Okay, and it'll be right there by the controls and stuff like that? Uh, it's in different places on different types, uh, but usually it's never more than halfway up the tank. Oh, okay. So it it's not right at the bottom. It's kind no. of halfway to down. And then... Yeah, it's usually halfway down to three-quarters of the way down. Okay, and it, and it will be sticking or have a cover on it or something like that? Or is it... It'll just have a like a uh, – like it'll look like it's – you know how a ratchet set has the uh, big bolt thing that's uh, the the square that you hook your ratchet into? Yeah. That's, that's what it, that's what it's going to look like. Okay. All right, because I keep it turned off but still like I say, yeah. I I need to replace that thing and yep. you know probably drain it with a like you say with a garden hose and then uh turn it back on and let it flush through with uh to start out with and then fill it up and flush it and fill it up and flush it. Yeah, and you know, for one that you don't use very often that way, you may want to consider a tankless down the road. Yeah, well, like I say, this is at a bunkhouse. So yeah. We, we don't use it maybe five times a year, and I keep the the uh, hot water the hot water heater uh, killed the breaker on it. Yep. We got the same issue at the deer lease, and uh, so what right. we what we started doing is just flushing the tank when we go up, and that, that takes care of it. Okay, well that's good. I get, and so when you say just uh, run the hot water out of it, just keep the water coming to it, but just yeah. turn on the hot water and just let it run. Yeah, typically if you let it run for between five and ten minutes, you have flushed it out completely. Oh, okay. All right. I did not know that. It's yeah. like a fifty-gallon tank. Yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll it'll be somewhere in that time frame. All right, good. I sure appreciate your help, and thank you very much. You bet. Take care. Just a reminder: it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Talking about crooked contractors, I got to tell you a, a quick story from this week. 
One of my guys went and looked at a house two weeks ago, and it had a basement. He needed me to come look at it, and I I would have had time this past Thursday to go look at it. Well, he didn't want to wait, uh, so he hired somebody else to come in and do something. They injected foam around the basement trying to seal up leaks. Around a basement, you got a French drain system with a gravel bed. It didn't stop any of the leaks. The first time it rained, it was leaking again. So I was out there, and I went through looking, and the French drain system was holding water. Yet where the sump pump was, it was slowly leaking into there. So it tells me there's a blockage in the French drain system. So we're going to snake it out and see what we find. But the homeowner spent $6,000 to have that foam injected around the foundation that, one, didn't stop the leaks, and two, probably plugged up his French drain system gravel bed. Uh, so it, it really did more harm than good. And, you know, any contractor who's going around and doing that kind of stuff, he's got to know that he's doing it wrong when you're injecting into something that's got a French drain around it like that. Just aggravates the heck out of me. we got to think a little bit about what we're doing, contractors. Our neighbor has a large willow tree whose root system has lifted the fence and roots are very close to our home. Who would you recommend I call who can determine if the roots are in my sewer lines and close to my foundation? I have noticed our toilet has bubbles when flushing and shower drain is slow. Okay. In order to actually tell if you got roots in the sewer line, you you kind of mentioned the two things that are an issue. Slow drain. That That's one of the big issues. And if the tree roots are picking up on the fence and things like that. The bubbles... Uh, honestly, that's usually not an indication that there's uh, a blockage. That's usually something else that's causing that uh, ventilation, the vent system, which can also cause things to drain slow. So typically, I know where Lantana is. Those are newer homes. That's going to have PVC plumbing. Chances are you don't have tree roots in it unless you have a broken pipe under your foundation. Now, how big does a tree have to be to get tree roots into it? The tree roots will typically reach out one-third to one-half further than the drip line of the tree. And so if you're within that boundary, you bet they can be causing foundation issues. They can get in, if you have a break in a sewer pipe, into the pipes and cause you an issue. Normally, it's a plumber that you would call. Duos Plumbing is happy to take care of issues like this. Uh, and if you're worried about the tree roots causing a foundation problem, which you should be, you can put a root barrier in. And that severs the tree roots, which would also keep them from going into that sewer pipe, and it keeps it from taking moisture out from under the foundation, which can cause foundation problems. So you do have some options. We installed a pre-hung hollow core interior door six months ago. It was level and squared at installation. Now it won't close because it hits the casing about 12 inches below the strike plate. However, the door is still square in the frame. The casing seems to have a bow. The home is pure and bean and does not have any other issues with windows or doors. Do you have suggestions to repair? 
Yeah, it sounds like you didn't put enough nails in the casing around the door. And what happens is that wood expands and contracts and it bows a little bit and it'll start rubbing on the side. So I'm not worried about foundation movement because typically if it's a foundation movement, it's going to mess with the alignment on the top of the door. Uh, it's going to cause sheetrock cracks, things like that. But typically if it's like you're describing, hitting just below the striker plate that way or above the striker plate where it's hitting on the side of the door, that's normally just the casing of the door. And, you know, putting some uh, nails in there will normally take care of it. Now, the one issue you got to check is to make sure if they got some shims behind it, that could keep you from being able to draw it in. But the fact that it was working and now it's moved out, I think you'll be able to just put in some uh, a nice finish nail, suck it in, and that'll probably take care of the problem for you. Got an email question, came in from David, and he says, Hi, Jim. Are architectural shingles worth the extra cost over reasonable quality composition shingles? Also, are these three, I, I think he meant of these three, which offer the best bang for the buck? GAF, Owens Corning, or Certainteed Select Shingle Master? Okay, well, first of all, the architectural shingles aren't going to get you any more lifespan than a 30-year shingle does. You can get a, a 15, 20, 30-year three-tab shingle. And your architectural shingles are typically 30-year shingles as well. They do make some that are 50-year shingles also. But uh, you're not typically buying an architectural shingle in order to make a better roof you're buying it because you want the look or style of that shingle. So if if all you're wanting is the least expensive roof you can put up there, that's going to be a three-tab shingle. And all of these companies you listed, you know, GAF, Owens, and uh, Certainty, they all make three-tab shingles as well that you could take a look at if, if, uh, if that's what you want. All of these companies, though, make great shingles. Uh, they're in competition with each other, and they're pretty neck and neck. The thing you're going to be looking at is what's the look and style you want to go for. So if GAF offers that look and style, that's what you go with. If Owens Corning is the one that offers the color, style, and look that you're going for, go with that one. Same with Certainteed Select, Shingle Master. Um, when you decide what you want, though, what's going to make the biggest difference for you? the installer the installer can make all the difference in the world as far as how long that shingle is going to last yes it can make a difference who puts the shingles up there how they attach them make sure that they got the proper underlayments things like that how they finish off the edges how they do the ridge vents all that stuff i said ridge vents how they do the ridges <laughs> typically i recommend ridge vents when i'm talking about roofing but uh, the, you know, that's what's going to make the difference how long the shingles can last. So uh, does it make a difference on the brand? Not as much as you would think. It makes a bigger difference on who installs. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.